Hey, Greg. Hey. Uh, did you ever hear about the uh, tragic story from 2003? Uh, there was an individual named Brian Wells who was a pizza guy. He got kidnapped, had a bomb strapped to his chest, and told, go and rob a bank and bring us back the money or we'll blow up the bomb. And uh, then he did, and then he died in a, a tragic explosion when they when they killed him. Yeah, sounds awful. Yeah, I think it'd make a pretty inter- interesting movie, though, yeah? Sure. Yeah, I also want it to be a stoner action comedy. Oh, okay, well, I have some notes. Welcome everyone to I Have Some Notes, the show where we rewrite mediocre movies in 60 minutes or less. I Have Some Notes is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Greg Beaver. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. And our film today is the 2011 stoner action comedy, 30 Minutes or Less. Or as I keep calling it, 30 Seconds or Less. Yes. (laughs) Because apparently I believe... That a pizza can be delivered in 30 seconds. That's 7-Eleven's promise. <laughs> but you do have to be at the counter. Yes. <laughs> uh, this, was, uh, this was an interesting film. I know. I think I was the only one who had seen it prior to us uh, doing this as a... Had you seen it? That would be correct. Yeah, no. yeah I had no interest in seeing it. I, I'm not... I don't like Danny McBride a whole bunch, and I really don't like Nick Swartzen. Mm, and they're both fair. in this movie. Um I'm not certain I knew this movie was a thing prior to you <laughs> suggesting it. So. I'm not sure the listeners knew that this movie was a thing either. Which is, uh, which is interesting because I actually had heard the tragic story that this is apparently not based on. Uh, so when this movie was announced, I was like, oh, damn, like that story from 2003? I gotta see that! <laughs> uh, that's my little Azizian sorry there for you. Uh, but uh, yeah, I... I uh, this. Well, yeah, like we said in the beginning, this is a, this is a movie about a pizza guy who gets kidnapped by by two nefarious criminals. They strap a bomb to his chest, make him go rob a bank so that they can, they can use that money to kill the guy's dad. Did Have either of you watched the Netflix documentary series about uh, Brian Wells, the unfortunate dude who, who died? Also, no. <laughs> I didn't know that <laughs> was am, until now. Though I am familiar with the case. Yeah, he it was... It's fascinating, and like there's there's some there's some question as to whether Brian Wells was kind of in on uh, on the whole bank robbery thing, and it like it's a it's it's definitely a trip. So I would I would I would check it out. Um, it, it may be more entertaining than this movie, although this movie really wasn't that bad. I didn't uh, I didn't mind it so much. It's pretty. Passable. There's definitely some uh, some outdated humor. That's fair. Yep. Yeah, I have I have some ideas of how the movie could be punched up a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I was I was struck by like you say you mentioned earlier that you know this movie is not based on this particular incident, but there's a lot of very similar elements to it. Well, and that's the thing that I in reading these notes, uh, or not reading not the notes, but the uh, like like Wikipedia and stuff. Apparently, you know, this film was made about eight years after the incident and apparently the producers and the filmmakers and the cast claim to have had no knowledge of the brian wells incident which like i absolutely call bullshit on yeah like how what well there's there's a lot of so the same thing there's a lot of details in the movie like the like the um danny mcbride's plot to kill his dad to get um uh, inheritance money. Yeah. Like that's part of the story or the Brian Wells story. The, the woman that was behind it all, she was trying to kill, I believe it was her mother, uh, in order to, uh, gain, uh, uh, her inheritance and it was also like her mother's inheritance was dwindling as well just like the father's inheritance that's the thing that makes me just straight up call bullshit and i feel like it must have been a liability or something for them to be like no 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 we're not we're not doing this or just or just the optics of it like making a comedy out of it especially because the dude exploded yeah yeah he he died spoiler (laughs) alert uh uh jesse eisenberg survives uh but yeah this guy uh yeah the bright real so i anyway i just i i i think that's impossible that this is not based on this story yeah i definitely call bullshit as yeah. well um but yeah this this film nonetheless uh it had a 6.1 on imdb and a 44 from audience and critic alike on uh, rotten tomatoes uh it mm. had so which seems kind of seems a, it seems a little harsh but it's it's not uh it's not an awesome comedy but it's not a 
bad one either. Yeah, it wasn't unwatchable. It's, it's a weird, funnier Coen Brothers movie, if that makes sense. Like, it's got the same kind of spiral of... Um, what's the word I'm looking for of catastrophe yeah, that you see in a Coen Brothers. Yeah. yeah. Where like one person, but you know, betrays someone else who betrays someone else. Yeah. And, it's a oh, series yeah. of, a series of poor decisions being driven by very powerful ambition yeah. leading to a bunch of misery is basically the Coen Brothers formula. And that's at play here, mm-hmm. but it's what if that was funnier? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and not to say that, not to say that many Coen Brothers movies aren't funny. Yes. Uh, in their own darkly it's twisted the, way. <laughs> this movie could be funnier. <laughs> just flat out. Yes. Um, yeah, this, uh, it had a budget of $28 million and uh, went ahead and made $40 million. So obviously doing doing the work. Uh, it got the job done. It got that uh, movie delivered in 30 days of box office openings or less. I, I, <laughs> I wonder if that eclipsed the advertising budget or not. I'm sure it made its money back eventually in in potential streaming sales or, or whatever. Yeah. So I'm again, though, I'm not certain I knew this movie was a thing. So how much advertising budget did they have? Yeah, I, th- I definitely remember it being, uh, I remember the trailers for it. I, rem- I, I remember that, Like I did remember the movie when Liam mentioned it. Right, fair enough. Yeah. Um, probably it was probably stuck in my mind because of the cast i think yeah the cast is uh is uh interesting though all dudes uh watching this movie i was like damn this is like a dude movie yeah. um uh, jesse eisenberg is the nick the main character uh danny mcbride as Dwayne, the villain uh aziz ansari as chet the help helpful individual to the main character nick and nick swartzen the helpful individual to the main villain Dwayne. uh yeah they so, all have their counterparts yeah and it's four dudes making shenanigans happen but uh, let's let's hear from the trailer and what this movie's all about. Hello, hello, pizza boy. Oh, it's a great mask. Ah, another one. The missing link. That's very nice. Get him! Whoa, 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 whoa! No, dude, just take the pizza. Oh man, what do you want? We got a duck. We have nothing left to say to each other. Two guys in masks jumped me and strapped a bomb to my chest. And now I have less than nine hours to rob a bank. You're hysterical. Great joke. What the? Keep your voice down. Is that thing real? And your first thought was to come to a school filled with young children? It's a breeze. Run into a bank with a bomb and take all the money and then leave and then go back to work. Don't make a big deal out of it, all right? Nick's life as a pizza delivery boy has gotten pretty crusty. His job is at a dead end while his best friend earns good cheddar as a teacher and the girl he likes is moving to Atlanta to manage hotels. Meanwhile, a burnout named Dwayne is arming a scheme to murder his rich asshole father and collect his inheritance. Dwayne needs money to hire an assassin before he can make his plan go off, and he's got an explosive idea. Nick arrives to a junkyard with a pizza to deliver when he's sauced by Dwayne and his accomplice and fitted with a bomb vest. Now Nick has 10 hours to rob a bank for Dwayne before the vest goes boom. It struck me when I was writing that that they have a ticking clock in this movie. The whole movie is, is at least it should be, based around this ticking clock. That That is my, as usual, yeah. Greg has suggested my change. Yeah. <laughs> like, right out the gate. Yeah. <laughs> and you never see the clock. Yeah, and the only, really. only right in the climax do you actually get, a, get an idea of like how much time is left on the vest. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll just say what my chain, my main change is then mm-hmm. is it would add a crazy sense of urgency to this movie if Dwayne gave Nick one hour to get him the money and hits the button and then from the moment he hits the button to the moment the bomb explodes is one hour of movie we follow it real time yeah yeah or definitely compressing it I think would be really interesting um, doing it in real time I wonder if that would be believable, I don't. I don't think that it it doesn't strain believability because Dwayne is just stupid enough yeah. to give a guy a stupid short time limit, yeah. and it puts so much pressure on Nick to act, and so it makes sense that they have this it, that they they quickly put together this harebrained scheme rather than have all this time to languish on it. I think that it adds a, a really it would add a really dramatic sense of irony yeah. to know that there's a bomb that's going to go off in an hour and you don't necessarily need to have like a ticking clock in the corner of the screen, 
but I would just have it so that one hour after Dwayne arms the bomb in the movie, the bomb explodes. It's, it'd a, be a I'm, very different movie. Oh, it'd be crazy. It would be completely <laughs> Because bonkers. you'd have none of them stopping to like think about the situation you'd have none of them going to visit uh yeah, they wouldn't have girlfriend. time to it would all it would be all action like i'm even trying to think like at one point in speed did they at least not cut away to be like 20 minutes has passed on this bus <laughs> like <laughs> but uh and and i mean you don't have to stay on uh on aziz ansari and uh jesse eisenberg the whole t- the whole time you can still cut back to Dwayne doing his Dwayne thing but it would be it would be just madcap to do that. And it would add so much pressure on Nick and it would add so much urgency that I feel is missing in the movie. Like you were bang on when your your first thing right out the gate was, we've got a, a ticking bomb in the movie and it never feels like there's any urgency that it's going to go off. Yeah. Because people, he's been given so much time that he has time to languish. They have time to think about it. They have time to try to figure out a way around it. They have time to plan their heist. No, Dwayne is an idiot and he strapped a bomb to a dude. He should just be like, you've got one hour, go to it. And Nick should just be like, what the hell? And the movie's even called 30 minutes or less. So like have that, have, have the urgency of the time limit to deliver be more omnipresent. This is a pizza delivery guy who's used to time pressure. That's that. I realize that is like I still don't think that should be the premise of the movie, but I realize now. Yeah, the, it opens with him trying to beat the clock of a thirty minutes or less clock, and then when we actually have a, it's like it's right there. Like that's the whole. That's the yeah. He's whole got it on his dash. Yeah. Like they they make a point of showing like there's a timer on his dash, yeah. right? Yeah. And that that could have been like at the very least. Um, you know, he uh, at the end, like we could have had some sort of like clever marriage of those two things, like yeah. the, the timer on his dash and the and the timer on the on the uh, on the vest. Yeah. We've kind of gotten ahead of ourselves a little bit, a, yeah. a little bit. But I mean, it's a it's a, like even if we don't go all the way to your one hour thing, the fact that there is no ten hour clock in a movie about a ticking clock is a it's obvious just omission. Bizarre, yeah. yeah. And again, it doesn't necessarily need to be an hour. I just thought it would be it would be real interesting mm-hmm. if the time that from the time the bomb is armed to the time that it explodes in the movie is real time in the movie. Yeah. And I don't want the movie to be longer because I think it and that's not because it's terrible. It's just I think that it's the perfect length because yeah. it clips along really fast. It's got a great pace. So, yeah. But uh, but again, we got a little ahead of ourselves, gentlemen. What are some of the things you did like about yeah, the movie? Yeah, general, like general to thoughts here. <laughs> I um, I actually quite enjoyed the scene in which they 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 actually robbed the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was I thought it was pretty fun. I thought it was funny. I thought Aziz Ansari had a few good lines when. Uh, when uh, they, you know, they go through a lot of different struggles, like they're trying to rob, and then they 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 tell each other that they don't go for the vault, and then they end up having to go to the vault because there's not enough money in the tills. Uh, yeah. So they, the woman's got the teller's got to go into the into the vault, and then there's uh, an explosion of one of those paint packs or whatever, yeah. and yeah, the guy yeah. accidentally gets shot by a different gun. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of really fun little antics in there, I think, and uh, and I was I was thoroughly entertained. Through uh oh, through that entire. Let's just turn that off. Greg just uh, doubled in size. <laughs> just for the listeners at home. So I was thoroughly entertained by that that particular scene, and it, and had the whole movie been um, as as clever and as fun as that particular scene, I think I, I think it would have been a plus. Same with I think my favorite favorite scene of me being like I wish more of the movie was like this uh, was when. Nick first meets the hitman and he's like, yeah, here's the money. And the guy's like, whoa, yeah, you got the money. Sweet. And the guy's like, okay, take my bomb off. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Cause the, the villain Dwayne was dumb enough to like have Nick hand the money off to the hitman. He was going to give it to yeah. and like take himself out of this middleman situation and assume it wouldn't go South. Yeah. Uh, I loved that scene when the, the like with between Nick and the, the hitman was very funny. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that a lot of the stuff with Dwayne thinking he's smarter than he is yeah. is played really well. Dwayne is detestable. Yeah. Uh, he's really bad. And I liked hating him. Like, yeah. he was very well played. He was very well cast. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, Danny McBride's a pretty. There's so it's only until very recently, like the Righteous Gemstones, where I'm like, okay, I think I get Danny McBride now. <laughs> he's an acquired taste because he's so awful in like like he's a very he's funny. Like I guess that's a testament to how good he is. He's so awful in everything he's in. He's such a such an obnox. He he gives you obnoxious asshole ten different ways. Like, yeah. Sometimes you're just really good at one thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> he dials it up to eleven or twelve in um, this is the end. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's like peak Danny McBride being an asshole. Well, he's playing the stereotype of himself yeah. at eleven. Yeah, yeah. The Foot Fist way is also. Have you ever seen the Foot no, Fist I way? Not. It's his first. That was his breakout one, and it's he's a he's a flyover state karate instructor, and uh, yeah, it's just like. It's so hard to watch. You're just like, I hate you so much. <laughs> um, I, overall, the cast is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody's woefully miscast in this yeah. movie. Everybody's playing their part pretty on on point. Yeah. Um, big, big fail of the Bechdel test, though. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. this is a dude movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and the, and the only woman in the movie is, is a literal... Damsel in distress. Yeah. That is the only role that she plays. That is incorrect. There is also a prostitute in the movie. Oh, that's mm. correct. Yeah, yeah, a prostitute. That's, that's unfair. Yeah. She is a stripper. We don't know that she is a prostitute. Yeah. Yeah. That'll yeah. be fair. So, yeah, that, that was. I was watching this. I'm like, yeah, this is this is a boot movie by dudes for dudes about dudes. It's a dude movie. It is. It is very much a dude movie. Yeah. yeah. Or as they were called in 2011, movies. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof. Yes. Would it is would were it not true? Right? Yeah. So yeah, but we're uh, like I, I think we've established some things we really quite like. Like any, I think Danny McBride and the cast are a hard keep. I don't think that's anyone was like miscast yeah. or mislabeled. I, I agree with you as well. The sort of I don't know if I call it a Cohen Brothers, maybe more just an Arrested Development <laughs> level of miscommunication and deceit spiraling out of control. But I like that the the sort of almost the third act. I guess maybe that's why they didn't do the ticking clock because like by the third act, it's not even about the bomb anymore. It's about the fact that the uh, hitman is pissed and the major is dead and the girlfriend's in trouble. And, you know what I mean? Like there's the so stakes have escalated. The stakes have escalated beyond vest by the third act. I And I disagree. I think that I think the the bomb should always be the most pressing thing because Nick is our protagonist and we mm-hmm. care about him not exploding. Um, and then all of the rest of it just needs to be more and more obstacles to him getting the vest off. And that includes like, well now my girlfriend is in danger and do I prioritize her over the vest? And now there's a hitman also on going crazy and shooting everybody. And if he kills Dwayne before I get the vest off, I'm screwed. And I think these are just all, all further obstacles to him getting the vest off. I think the vest should still be, Oh yeah. uh, a, an omnipresent threat up until the literal instant it explodes. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, things anybody would cut. Yeah. Mm. I mean, aside from some of the like jokes that did not age well. Yeah. A lot of yeah. the homophobic jokes. Yeah. yeah. Or even just like treat. I mean, we were talking about this sort of before the, before we started recording, but to be fair, it's Aziz Ansari's twin sister. Like, or the character's twin sister, but just I'm super aware now of any time men in movies are like, my sister, like, you can't, it's, you might like just taking possession over women that they have dated or they're related to. Uh, I've just, I'm done, I'm done seeing that in movies. Um, yeah, so. I agree. Yeah, and I, and I, I, I don't, uh, I, don't, I never, it's, it's such a big part of the plot that like Aziz Ansari doesn't want um, Nick to date his his sister and I just like it it was kind of a roadblock for me to really buy into the movie because I don't I just don't think brothers care that much and it's just like I wasn't buying into it and my counterpoint to that and it was purely academic yeah (laughs) is that the character is coming from a point where his best friend and his twin sister had sex and he can't resolve the fact that it's his best friend and his twin sister Mm -hmm. he feels weirdly violated by that and I can, because, and it would be different if his sister was older or younger than him. It's his twin sister. He even says in the movie, my sister who has my face. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, you know, I think that this would work probably better if it was established early on in the movie that the three of them were like a, a really good group of friends. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I think that, that, like, seeing them together, seeing them do things together, seeing them in, enjoy each other's company, like, that, then it's more like a, someone is uh, screwing with the dynamic of their relationship. Well, and two other members of the relationship were keeping something from the third in that right. case. Yeah. So it's, it's just more of a personal betrayal at that point. Yeah. Call this an early note, but I'm going to go ahead and cut Aziz Ansari's character completely and replace it with a woman. So his best friend is a woman, and he sleeps with his best friend's twin sister, which now we actually have another woman in the cast, someone above, you know, build above the oh, title. Oh, that's a woman. so much weirder. Can you imagine, like, if I, you're my very best friend, Susan, and I had just slept with your twin sister? Oh, that's so much weirder. <laughs> that's, that's weird. Now it literally oh. is in my face. Like, that is so much weirder. And we'd have a, a female main character. So, that is so much. Sorry, weirder. Aziz Ansari. You'll get your due in Parks and Rec time, and then uh, come crashing down. But um, that is so much weirder, and I yeah. kind of like that actually. <laughs> so. Then who do we cast to uh, to replace? Oh, any. I mean, let's go to 2011 and see who's hot and take our pick. You know what I mean? Like, there's, you know, it would be it would be interesting to find two actual twin sisters to play the twin sisters. Oh, that that's how we bring back the uh, Olsen twins. <laughs> They would have been I mean, twenty. They would have been twenty-five. They're they're making fashion money now. They don't. <laughs> want to be back I don't know. I'm, but yeah, you could have, you know, or even just have, uh, uh, you know, whoever uh, play um, play both play both roles. Like it. Yeah. 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 So, um, I. Uh, oh, what we're doing? We're doing cuts. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything specifically like uh, that I would cut outside of we mentioned the some of the dated humor, um, but I can't really think of any scenes that that just didn't belong. You know, there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's just like there's there's element. I think by and large the movie works. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I it could have benefited from more of a Edgar Wright kind of direction, like a much more kinetic yeah. feel. Yeah, I get what you're saying with that. Yeah. And, and it's weird because Ruben Fleischer, I got that right. That's Ruben Fleischer. Yeah. yeah. He, like, to me, Zombieland feels a lot more kinetic and interesting mm-hmm. than, than, than this movie. Uh, so it's kind of, kind of a bit of a surprise that, uh, that it doesn't work on that level. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because this came out after Zombieland and after uh, Social Network, which is a funny little joke when he's like, no, nah, man, I'm not on Facebook. I'm off the grid. <laughs> it's like, nice, nice. Um, I would cut the post-credit scene. I forgot all about that. Oh, yeah. is that when he's oh, he's, deal, he's talking about his, uh, his tanning slash prostitute yeah. um, ring? The last we should see of Dwayne is him exploding to death yeah. because he is the villain of this movie. And he does not deserve a happy ending. Oh, and after so, the crap. I didn't. Ooh, yeah. That's one thing I would cut. I would, so, I would cut Dwayne's redemption. He, he gets, in, in my version of the movie, he has no happy ending. He goes out like a Coen Brothers villain, like a twerp, and explodes by his own bomb. Yeah, I just turned it off when it was done. Is there a post-credit thing where Dwayne lives and oh, yeah. gets and, and the and Major? Because I it says that there's an alternate ending. There's, there's Major's like I'm proud of you. No, oh, but no. Uh, he's uh, he started his own tanning salon, and the Major is there in a wheelchair, and his friend who's got burns on his face is running the tanning salon, and he's doing a commercial for the oh. tanning salon, and it's terrible, and it sh- it should not be. Yeah, no, he should. Oh, for sure. I didn't. I did not know. That was a thing because I did not see that part. I just went, movie's over. It was on Netflix, right? I'm just like, I'm done. Walked away. Uh, yeah. Uh, cut that for sure. Yeah. No. <laughs> this, Dwayne, this movie's now worse uh, in my eyes. Can, as far as I'm concerned, the canon for Dwayne ends with him exploding in yeah. his van. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure I took that post credit scene as like, it's weird to say this, but I'm not sure if I took it to be canon. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I did because it clearly happens after the movie is done. Yeah. yeah. Because That's his, fair. and I, I was willing to accept it wasn't canon, except that the major shows up in a wheelchair, clearly still suffering from his gunshot wound. And his friend has like burn makeup right, on. Right. And I was like, oh, this actually happens after the movie. No, oh, that's a bummer. Nope. We do not need to see that. It is not a thing. This is well. Real- Danny McBride's character also kind of gets like a slight redemption towards the end of the movie, which I also did not agree with. Um, yeah, just he should have left his friend to burn to death. 
Well, that's the thing is like he's the, his friend tells him because he tells his friend early on and that he would he would totally leave him for dead if he if he had the opportunity to. Right. And then at the end of the movie, he, he kind of comes back for him and his friend is excited that he didn't leave him. And I, yeah, that's just like it seems weird because he said like he's Dwayne like is such a piece of shit. And I just like it just was an awkward weird moment where he also gets to have like a little bit of a, of a hero moment. Yeah. yeah. No, he should. He, it was unearned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, I don't know if why they were trying to soften his character in the 11th hour, but it was, it was unearned. Oh, he only had 10 hours. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sweet. <laughs> um, well, we're, I mean, we're already well into changes. Should changes, we make that change? Should we, Head right into into our break then. Yeah, let's take sure. the let's take the pizza slicer to this thing. Cut it up eight ways. Park Power allows Albertans to shop local for their electricity and natural gas. You can save money. It's easy to switch, and ten percent of the profits go to local charities. Learn more at parkpower.ca. Christina is a foodie with passion for healthy, casual, vegan food. With a business plan in mind for a health-conscious eatery, she reached out to ATB. After being introduced to a manager of entrepreneurship, she was happy to find out that he not only supported her dream, but was excited about it too. Now Christina has two successful KB and Co. restaurant locations in Edmonton, serving delicious, plant-based food to vegans and non-vegans alike. To hear more about Christina's story, visit atb.com Christina and visit atbentrepreneurcenter.com to learn more. Uh, we had much to discuss on what we liked and what we didn't. It's a, it's a pretty middling film. There's not a lot that we really die hard loved or really wanted to cut, but uh, we're going to take a crack at rewriting this baby. Yeah, this is this is one of those movies that's kind of almost in our sweet spot mm-hmm. where there's a lot of potential and it just really needed a punch up yeah. as opposed to just burn it down, salt the earth and go try to build something try somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which might be the next movie that we do. <laughs> Spoiler. S- slight teasers, <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, I you know, aside aside from I, I, I was worried like when we do comedies like not that we've done a ton of them but like is the note just it's got to be funnier mm-hmm. or whatever and like that's part of this because it, it it's it's a fine comedy but it's not a belly laugh comedy yeah in, in my opinion but i do i do think there's like opportunities in in different places um to give um you know the main the, the characters a little bit more conflict with each other uh we did in the first half we talked about um flipping uh aziz and sari's gender mm-hmm. Right, yeah, so yeah. that uh, you know, we've there's extra conflict there. Yeah, that would definitely help. Um, yeah, you mentioned we don't do a lot of comedies. That was sort of my impetus for suggesting this, is because I'm like, oh, that's actually a comedy I remember being pretty pretty mediocre. Uh, and also, I noticed watching it, uh, there's clearly been punch up done. There was quite a few jokes. Some of the I'd say funnier lines were delivered where you couldn't see the character. Yeah, mouth. delivered yeah. off camera. Yeah. yeah, or like they were when they were wrestling. Both, both, both. When Travis and Dwayne were wrestling, and when Chet and Nick were wrestling each other, there'd be a whole bunch of jokes because you couldn't see their mouths. And I was like, eh. "Yeah, yeah, it could have stood a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> more off-camera jokes, please, <laughs> or on-camera jokes <laughs> yeah, from the original that. script." <laughs> I think that the um, because they're clearly setting up the relationship between Nick and Chet and uh, Dwayne and uh, Travis, Travis as. Um, kind of mirrors of each other. Mm-hmm. And so you start out with Chet and Nick's relationship being really rocky and it gets more solid as they go through these trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. Whether Chet is a boy or girl, yeah. it does not matter. It, it's still, the relationship trajectory is good. But that means that Travis and Dwayne's relationship needs to continue to unravel to the end. There need, there can be no saving grace. And at the end, part of Dwayne's miscalculation that ultimately leads to him exploding is that he needs to, he needs to have 
miscalculated on Travis's abilities yeah, and his intelligence and his empathy and his ability to make his own decisions. Yeah. And that does kind of play into the movie as is because he changes the telephone number so that Dwayne can't blow up the vest manually. He uh, is capable because he's the one who built the bomb. Yeah. And I think that that needs, you, you need to go further with that. Mm-hmm. Dwayne needs to be more irredeemable and Travis needs to be more redeemable, be more redeemable so that their relationship continues to pull apart while Chet and Nick's relationship is coming together. Yeah. And that's kind of where I thought the movie was going. I figured it that it, out in yeah, the, at the last. Yeah. I kind of problem. figured that eventually that, that Nick Swartzen's character was going to turn on Dwayne and that seemed to be the, the trajectory it was headed on. But then they wimped out at the last. Yeah. 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 Don't do that movie. Yeah, because he kind of seems to be like he continues to be kind of a piece of garbage, especially in the. It especially doesn't work in the last scene where suddenly he's got a flamethrower, and like he he had already sort of admonished Dwayne about potentially killing someone with the. the, There's that phone scene where he's got the phone and he's entering and he's he's going to enter in the code to to set the bomb off, Mm -hmm. and then he enters it in. And Welcome unbeknownst to, to him, yeah, un, unbeknownst to him, Nick Swartzen has changed the code and he cannot detonate the bomb remotely uh, in order to save uh, Jesse Eisenberg's life. And then in, in the climax, suddenly he's got a flamethrower and he's he's ready and willing to burn people alive. Well, I think that there's something to be said about him being willing to burn the hitman alive because he that was self defense. Um. But I think that the tragedy of Travis's character is that he hitched his wagon to the wrong star. And Dwayne, in that climactic scene, Dwayne gets shot. And then Travis flamethrowers the hitman. And then Travis's backpack gets shot. And then he dies. Like, that's the end for him. Dwayne does leave him to die because that that's beyond the pale for Dwayne. Dwayne was already a dick and now he's just left his best friend to burn to death. Mm -hmm. And Travis was just the poor idiot who he was stringing along and ended up dead because of it. Like that's the Coen brothers formula. Mm -hmm. Travis is the tragic idiot. Yeah. And he, his death is kind of inevitable because this is a black comedy. I say get the At Coen least brothers they, to do this movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> that was actually going to be one of my changes was like to make this more of a black comedy because it yeah. feels more like a comedy comedy to yeah. me. And I and I think it would be much more interesting if it was a black comedy and if it if it actually if we peppered in more of the elements like of 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 the uh, Brian Wells story because mm-hmm. I, I think if it was actually if this was actually a retelling of the the Brian Wells story and it was done in a in a comedic way, I think that there's a way of making it a black comedy while also being like uh, sensitive and, and poignant mm-hmm. with what happened to Brian Wells, and uh, and I think that would actually make for a really interesting movie. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I'm going to disagree with that on the simple fact that that's really morbid and exploitative, more so than the movie already kind of is. I'm trying to, and I think I don't think Nick needs to explode in the end. Well, I but I do have a different ending in mind for Nick. I, I was thinking of like the Wolf of Wall Street when I was thinking about this because like the, the, that is genuinely a story about an awful person. But the movie itself is is quite funny, but also manages to sort of like show you the ills of of mm-hmm. of you know what a kind of a piece of garbage he was or whatever. And I think there's I think there's a way of like um, hitting the right the right tone and feel. For there to be a sort of a black com because like the, the 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 you couldn't I don't even think you I don't think you could do a drama about uh about the Brian Wells story yeah I mean, uh, it'd, be, it'd be too tragic uh, yeah and but also like the the elements of the story are so weird and bizarre yeah to 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 do a straight drama and not acknowledge. The, the farsity of yeah, it, it would, is quite would, farcical. It wouldn't work. Because it, 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 what happened was a real-life Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. That's a good point. I like that. I, I like the, the go darker with it. Yeah, I think, I think definitely, like, I think that would make it a much more interesting movie. There's, there's one faction in this movie that uh, kind of gets dropped during the, uh, going into the third act. And um, I think that it should have a role to play in the end in, in my vision of a rewrite. 
um, which saves Nick from having to blow up because I think Dwayne ultimately the bomb yeah. needs to end up in Dwayne's hands at the end. Uh, but I don't think that Nick and Chet and anybody else gets away with the money. I think after Dwayne explodes, the police surround them and they get arrested for robbing a bank. <laughs> yeah. And then you could have a little post credit scene where you have a reporter like police are still trying to make sense of the insane story that they've been told and like the corroborating evidence that suggests this might be the case, but who knows where this will go or whatnot. But I think it should be left a little ambiguous and it shouldn't be a happy ending for them because at the end of the day, they did rob a bank and they did it very poorly. It was weird that they got away with the money and that they were potentially going to use it kind of thing up, yeah. up until the point where they open the bag and you get that last gag of like the, the paint bomb going off inside yeah. the, the money bag, right? Uh, but like, like it felt like did they learn anything? I don't feel like they did. Well, other than maybe Nick self-actualizing a little better when, when yeah, but he realizes like- <laughs> his mortality is nine hours away. Do you know what makes a life and death self-actualization uh, narrative go down much smoother? Extra hundred thousand dollars. You like, know what makes it go down much funnier? Getting arrested yeah. at the end, <laughs> or just losing the money. Like, what if Dwayne and the money blew up? Even even if they get away with it, they don't get away with like the. the I, money. I like the idea of them taking the money because it gives Dwayne the push to leave Travis and go after them. Yeah, right. um, that makes sense. And I and then it also leaves them with the bag of money in their hands when the police show up to arrest them. Mm -hmm. Because again, they showed their faces to the police. Like there was a police officer who saw their face and then ran away when he was like, I've got a bomb. So it's not like they weren't seen Their Robbery was harebrained even with the time to plan it. And we think that should be truncated even if not necessarily to an hour. Um, they there should be consequences to That's that, right. and it should play out in the movie. And I think that it would be not a downer ending, but uh, a funny like wah wah yeah. uh, moment for them to think they got away with it and think that the bad guys are all behind them, and then suddenly, oh, where did all these police cars come from? You're under arrest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That works. I uh, I want to build off something uh, you had mentioned uh, of wanting. Uh, to test whether or not Dwayne would leave Travis to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also think is the way we can make it more funny. I wanted more of the plot or, or at least more screen time for the actor who played his boss at the pizza place. Cause that guy's Brett Gelman. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's, he's great. So good. He is one of those, that guy actors. Yeah. And he's so good in everything he does. And I would have liked to have seen his character come into play more. Like maybe he's, it's as simple as he's one of the obstacles that gets in his way or if early in the movie Dwayne's like uh Travis I'd leave you for dead uh and then does uh and then at some point Nick is like I hate my boss I hope that guy dies I hope bank robbers come in and and threaten him with a gun or something like he literally says it and then when he's in that situation has to like not let his boss come into harm's way and get caught up in this situation like as as a part of his self-actualizing that might be taking it too far. At the very least, I'd like to see more Brett Gelman. I think it would have been fun. <laughs> yeah, I think it would have definitely improved the movie yeah. a little bit. Uh, I thought that maybe um, the the dust-up between uh, Nick and Chet should have been moved to uh, post-conflict um, uh, post conflict with the assassin. Oh, yeah. like Because it feels like it would work better if there was like a, a build-up to Chet getting frustrated with uh with uh nick right um you know if they're because like it's kind of strange that in the first act they're kind of like go through this arc where they're friends not friends kind of thing like i think it would be i think it'd be more interesting if like if if chet like basically puts up with uh nick's uh inability to to live life in a meaningful way and and you know finally you know it's at some at, towards the end of the second act that's when we hit our lowest point and then they have their their fight because they because he's he, like he's um, the low point is that they've discovered that um, uh, Nick or Chet's sister has been kidnapped right yeah. and it's and it's Nick's fault essentially that that happened because he went to see her and then and they were following him and they 
found his weakness essentially right so there's a good point where at at that point where their relationship can really fall apart Mm -hmm. and then they they have to move forward together only because they both have the same goal which is to save the sister yeah right um and, and, and then through the course of the of the climax they they have to work together and that sort of like repairs their relationship i structurally i understand what they're going for by having again it be a mirror to the travis Dwayne relationship whereas travis and Dwayne start solid and nick and chet don't and then they kind of move opposite yeah over or the course of the movie or even as simple as like i hate you and i never want to see you again oh shit you're the only person i can come to you for help there's also that element to it yeah yeah i mean well that's what objectively happens in the movie that's what i'm saying yeah, oh, yeah. but structurally it worked there too that's what i'm saying but uh yeah, that's not. I don't know if there's anything wrong with them mirroring each other exactly either. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm just trying to resolve how that plays out going into the grand finale, though, because if they have that, if they have a brutal falling out like that there, then what impetus does Chet have to go and help Nick in the finale, other than just to help save his sister? Yeah, he's doing it. I think he's doing it begrudgingly. The also thing, because I think the whole thing that starts their conflict early on is that um, Chet's Chet explains, "Oh, I'm the reason your parents got divorced," and the only way I could see your thing sort of, or your your suggestion rather, uh, makes sense structurally is if he thinks Nick's gonna die, and he's like, "I gotta get this off my chest before you explode." I'm the reason your parents got divorced. That would probably I could, it'd be the I, the only way I could see you could move that scene farther up in the story. Is if like, yeah, I would, I would almost kind of like, I, I didn't, I don't, I would actually probably eliminate that little bit of it completely. I like, kind of would too, because what's so what's like? Obviously, it sucks that his mom cheated on her on his dad, but like, why is it so bad? It's a lifeguard. Like, it seems to be like this awful, <laughs> awful thing that you're like, your mom fucked a lifeguard, and everyone laughed at your dad until he ran out of town, and I'm like, what? <laughs> lifeguard? Yeah, but that's not really on Chad either. I mean. Yeah, like that's it's just, kind of on the cheating mother. Yeah, that's yeah. that whole. That's it's just yeah, it's just kind of weak all around. Yeah. So I would have kind of, I would kind of lift that out and just and just make. I think I, I think you make Chet more of a stand-up guy, and and that he's he's the opposite of of Nick. Like he's he's together. He's got a good job, and generally, you know, he understands that Nick's got problems, but they're buddies, and he kind of just puts up with it. But like. You know, sometimes it's sometimes it's difficult being his friend, and you can pepper that in throughout uh, throughout the first yeah, like two acts now, as well. Where I'm helping you rob a bank. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, like, and I think that actually, like him, like the, there's a good scene where they where he has to convince convince Chet to to come help him rob a bank. Um, but I think it would also work if uh, if if Chet was was willing and able but still admonishing chet or uh, nick for like hey you're bringing a bomb into a school do you think that's a good idea like there's still there's lots of opportunities there to like to show that increasingly um uh he's getting uh, chet's getting upset with nick right and then you, and then that explodes mm-hmm. in at the end of the second act i see what you're saying but i i don't know that i agree because <laughs> i <laughs> i like them having the fallout before the problem happens because it adds this layer of, of tension. I mean, in lieu of a ticking clock, it's a great way to add a layer of tension. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I know I just yeah, told you Yeah, I might be you. just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic here. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. That's fair. Um, I also wanted more chase scenes, just just as a personal thing. It's like they well, said... Nick's uh, established early on as a very good driver. Yeah. With a really crappy car. So... Uh, having him have more opportunities to drive is, and and especially if we're condensing the time period as well of the movie, like we might one hour might be pushing it for the time for before the bomb goes off. But even if we condense it down from like 10 hours to say two or three, like suddenly he's got a real time crunch and him having to drive fast from location to location Mm -hmm. becomes more, uh, more crucial skill. Yeah, and so more opportunities for him to be peeling around town. Yeah, and, and I think for his, the police to his, get on his on his tail while while he's doing it, maybe. Yeah, I think his his driving skills and his his 
knowledge of the of the town that they live in would be interesting payoff at the end. Like if they're, you know, if the movie kind of culminated in a, in, in a car chase. Yeah. If, if some shortcut he took to get that first pizza delivered was also the shortcut he took to get ahead of the, you know, Dwayne, right? Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. I kind of like that actually. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down for that. It's just one of those things that was really set up and not, not very paid off. Uh, I think it would also be kind of funny if, like, if if towards the end, like they're being they're being chased by by Dwayne and 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 Nick is uh, is like at first it doesn't seem like oh big deal like we're gonna he's he's in a sh- he's in a shitty van or something like they're he's we're gonna outrun him eventually it's okay but then Nick reveals like I put the bomb in that in that uh, in that. It, 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 in that van that he's driving, we have to get as far away from his. Well, possible. and you can also pay off uh, Nick's really crappy Mustang at that point too, yeah. right? Because like if he's been driving it hard most of the movie, yeah. he, even not counting the super fast car they steal for the bank robbery, then it could start to crap out at that moment. Yeah, it'd be like, no, this is the wrong time. Yeah, yeah, um, and that yeah, would, the whole that would movie, add some more like, tension. This thing's never had a bad day. Slapping the hood, mm-hmm. just yeah, like. and then that's the time it has the bad day. Yeah, and that's that's a good comic beat too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, like um, I just had a, a thought for some structure of the movie based on a change that had been suggested. If we're flipping Chet's gender mm-hmm. to Chet T T E, um, <laughs> and she has the twin sister, then we don't have to necessarily we can. We could cut out the scene where he goes to visit the sister, yeah, and that's how Dwayne and Travis find out about her. Because th- oh, if yeah. they know that he's tooling around with Chet, they might think that they've nabbed Chet. Yeah, right. Uh, thinking that they can put the screws on on Nick, like we got your partner. What are you talking about, uh, my, my partner? Looking at Chet right there. Yeah. Twin sister mistaken identity is a classic comedy trope. And the fact that they have twins that don't look alike is like, that's like having a guy who's like, man, I've got this really funny hat off screen. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, they can, but the, that would be, a, that would be a good way to tie that in. Like they yeah. could, they could nab Ch- Chet's sister earlier in that yeah. case. Uh, and then have her in the, in their back pocket thinking like, we got your partner. Like we got the guy you, or we got the girl that you robbed the bank with yeah. and that we're going to hold her over you. And they're like, Oh crap. They've kidnapped my twin sister. Like yeah. this just got real. That's great. I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah I think that's a big, big one for sure. Bomb strapped to your chest would probably still feel pretty real. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but now, but now there's another person in danger and a person we both care about. Yeah. 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 yeah fair enough. Love it. Well, our listeners had a lot of thoughts on this uh, film as well. If you want to get in on the note having, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and we'll let you know what movie is coming up next. And you can get your notes right on the show, just like these people are about to. Uh, Andrew Craig said, fold the right quarter of the poster and tear along the line, and you've got a good start. I think I believe that's getting rid of Nick Swartz, Nick Swartz and, and, and Daniel McBride, yeah. I, oh, the I, whole, no, he said right quarter. Four build actors. I think he was just cutting, cutting Swartz in. Okay. <laughs> uh, fair. I, I wonder. Like again, I, I, who who was who was cool in 2011 that should have got a movie? I, I couldn't say. I don't think he was miscast. I don't, Actually, I don't think he's bad in, we make, in the movie. We, we make Aziz Ansari's character a woman, and we make Aziz Ansari the new uh, uh, Travis, and we cut swords in. Sure. I don't know. Uh, again, I don't think he was he was miscast. Yeah. He plays off Danny McBride really well. He's playing a role that he's clearly good at, which is like again hapless idiot. Yeah. Um, if if I'm not mistaken, there are a litany of horrible, horrible, horrible Nick Swartzen movies. Are there not? So this, I think this might be actually the best movie. Yeah, that, <laughs> that he's in. So like, I don't know if we want to take that away the, from him or not. Yeah, don't mess with the Zohan. This is probably better. Uh, um, yeah, a bunch of Adam. Younger under the Adam Sandler for quite a while. When, when you're, um, no, no, it's not great career move. I'm trying to. Th- I was even trying to think. You know what? Uh, let's go Dax Shepard. Let's get Dax Shepard instead of sure. Nick Swartz. Sure, sure. Thanks, thanks, Andrew. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go right at the poster right now. Uh, Matt Bose from Bollywood is for Lovers podcast says, "I remember this movie being pretty decent. Actually, it was just Eisenberg kind of running that archetype of his into the ground. Redeemed by American Ultra, though." I've not seen it. Uh, I also don't think he's playing like the full Jesse Eisenberg character here. It's too. He's, he's playing a, a a turn on it, but yeah, yeah. 
he's not he's not playing up the shy element like it, his character isn't like the shy nebbish type yeah right yeah. nick is is pretty outgoing and he's got enough swagger to him that he like cons those two boys at the beginning of the movie yeah yeah that uh jesse eisenberg's character from say Zombieland wouldn't have been able to do no yeah that's fair uh, yeah, this was, uh, like we said, it was just after uh, Zombieland and uh, the Facebook movie, Social Network. So, mm-hmm. uh, And the next up, Lex Luthor. Uh, <laughs> Tack says, do we need to have seen it or know anything about it? I feel like that's an unreasonable expectation on this one. Now, that, that's listen, fair. it's an hour and a half. It is f- on Netflix. It's free. God damn it. <laughs> well, free in quotations if you have yeah. Netflix. Uh, it, like... If you needed an excuse to see it, this was it. Yeah, and it's not—it's not a challenging watch. Also, I'm sorry, but I'm new to this podcast. Before this, were we forcing the listeners to watch the movies? I was not aware of this when I signed on that we were holding people's eyes open, Clockwork Orange style. So, uh, attack the uh, the the film viewing team. will be to your home shortly to pry your eyes open and make you watch this. Yeah, you know it's it's it is a completely reasonable expectation that you watch along with us every time if you're going to listen. Look, the I have Sorry, some then. notes. <laughs> Troopers, yeah, will be at your home soon, kicking in doors, busting in through windows. With DVD copies of the movie. When you click subscribe on uh, iTunes uh, or wherever you get your podcasts, that's what that's what you're signing up for. Yeah. Look, we we don't get a ton of money from the Alberta Podcast Network, but it goes to a fast response tactical team. Yeah. <laughs> um, so no, Tack, you don't need to have seen or know anything about it, but uh, uh, you know, we hope you entertained you anyway. We hope you're entertained by this episode, nonetheless. Uh, and if you uh, are looking for a great film to watch, I uh, recommend American Ultra. Uh, never- <laughs> well, that's uh, that's been another edition of I Have Some Notes for the Week. Once again, if you want to get in on the note having, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, if you want to leave a rate or review for the show on iTunes, it really does help us out. You can find our episodes on the CKUA radio app or download it from the Apple App Store. Uh, Remember to check out all of our sibling podcasts on the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. We will post new episodes every second week, so tune in two weeks from now when we do... Dune! Dune! Dune. Uh, Well, until then, uh, I'm Liam Kreswick. I'm Greg Beaver. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. Keep watching this guy. For exploding heads. Oh, oh no. (laughs) You could have just said pies like pizza pies. (laughs) (laughs) You you can cut that out. (laughs) No, (laughs) definitely not.